Hello and welcome to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technology. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Well, we have a very, very exciting uh, podcast here today as I really recently spoke with the Director of Basketball Operations at Boston College Men's Basketball, Dan McDermott. I've known Dan way back to when I was a manager with BC Basketball. He was a video coordinator and he was a manager even before that, going back uh, to the early 2000s. So a very lively podcast. He is Mr. BC Basketball. We, you know, we talked about a bunch of stuff. We talked about his time at BC growing up. Uh, we also talked about what it was like working for Al Skinner, uh, you know, Coach Christian, Steve Donahue, those three different eras. And uh, we also talked scheduling and what it's like to handle the travel as well uh, with BC basketball on road trips, what, uh, the logistics that go with all of that. So it was a very, very interesting podcast. like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to be part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com for more details and to sign up. All right, first, we'll hear from Chestnut Hill Technologies and Stone Love and Pizza, and then go right into the podcast with Dan McDermott, BC Basketball. As always, thank you so much for listening. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to be back once again. And, you know, January's full swing, BC men's basketball in the heart of their conference schedule, coming off a big win off Florida State. I thought it'd be great to have my good friend and known him forever. He is Mr. BC Basketball, the Director of Basketball Operations uh, for BC Basketball. Let's welcome Dan McDermott to the podcast. Dan, first of all, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me on, Mike. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Uh, really enjoyed hearing you talk to a lot of former BC players over the past couple of months and catching up with them. It's been uh, really interesting for myself and uh as a golf fan, I really enjoy some of your golf podcasts, too. So uh, keep up the good work. Yeah, that golf fills a nice void in the summer. You know, they July-August time. So it, it's, it's good to, to go there as well. But, Dan, like I said, you're Mr. BC Basketball. I don't say that lightly. I mean, you truly have been a part of BC Basketball. You graduated in 2004. I want to make sure I get that right. And uh, just talk to even growing up as a fan. I know you love BC basketball hoops, going to games with your family growing up. Yeah, I grew up in Norwood, Mass., so about 25 minutes away from BC. And, um, you know, I was lucky that my, my dad was a season ticket holder. Um, so I've been coming to BC games, you know, probably since I was in elementary school. And 
I can still remember, you know, some of them great, you know, UConn games with, you know, Danielle Marshall and sitting up in the stands, uh, you know, watching, watching those guys, Curly and Grant, you know, and then you go to the late 90s, Dwayne Woodward, Antonio Granger, Danny Abrams, like, you know, kind of grew up as a little kid, uh, being a big fan of, you know, BC basketball. And then, uh, when it came time, uh, BC was my dream school to go to and, uh, you know, went there and, Got, uh, got fortunate that I was able to be a student manager with the team as a freshman and kind of got to start. That was my first uh, experience getting to see behind the scenes of how uh, you know a college basketball team works. And I, I think I knew, you don't really know what it is as, like a, as a kid or even a high school kid, and uh, you, you, but you know you love college basketball and you want to be a part of it. And being, as you know, being a student manager is a really great way to do it. And um, I was fortunate enough that I was, you know, they, they let me do it. Um, you know, Coach Pat Duquette, who's you know, UMass old, but was at BC for a long time. He was the director of operations at the time, and I remember interviewing with him. And it, it all worked out, and I started going to practices and games and, uh, you know, getting to see all the amazing kind of people that, you know, are at BC from the basketball staff and uh, the administration. You get to know people, and you just really kind of get, get wrapped up in it and realize how, uh, how interesting it is and, um I was fortunate enough that when I graduated, I kind of was able to turn it into a job. And um, I'm really grateful for that experience. And this is my 18th, if you count my undergrad, my 18th year at BC, uh, working with the team in some capacity. That's excellent. What did, go back to your undergraduate days, do you have a favorite moment at working as a student manager, uh, favorite game, favorite, you know, favorite interaction maybe on the road? What, what sticks out in those four years? Obviously some really good teams too. That Obviously that 2000-2001 Big East uh, tournament championship team uh, sticks out in my mind, I would think. I, I like to think I turned it all around. Uh, <laughs> that 2000-2001 that year, my freshman year, was when it started to, um, when it really started to click for uh, Coach Skinner. And that was an, I mean, that was a really special team. Um, yeah, I mean, you talk about we beat, I think I remember beating UConn um, in early January over Christmas break. Uh, and that was kind of, uh, I, I don't know how many games we had to lost to UConn that that was that was a huge win and you rushed the floor and um, that kicked off and we went undefeated at home that season and uh, yeah went on won the Big East regular season won the Big East tournament and uh, you know went to the NCAA tournament and got kind of caught up in a tough 3-6 probably were underseeded a little as a 3 seed I think we were really at four losses uh, on selection Sunday and uh, got sent to Long Island and had a tough tough matchup against a, a good USC team uh, in the 3-6 game and you know unfortunately that team uh, didn't didn't probably go as far in the tournament as they could have but, but that, that was a really cool team because it had a lot of seniors that, you know, that first recruiting class that Al had put together with, uh, I don't want to leave people out but John Beerbaum, uh, Xavier Singletary uh, I, know I'm, uh, I know I'm leaving people out but uh, kind of those guys and then you had his younger you know Troy Bell was the sophomore You got me thinking as you were talking, too. I was lucky my freshman year uh, as manager, the team starts 20-0. and 0. So I didn't even know what a loss felt like as a manager until, like, mid-February. That's <laughs> very true. Yeah, as a, as a freshman manager, not to like, talk too much inside baseball and managing, like, you don't travel with the team, so 
you know, like, I, yeah, we went undefeated at home. I really had no idea until my, my sophomore year what it felt like to be in the locker room after a loss. <laughs> we're very very fortunate that's pretty good right there all right Dan let's progress now so then you graduate 2004 and you had that one year working media relations I know you worked in the football library the Yawkey Center and you worked with the Dick, Dick Kelly as well can you just give us the time uh first of all your thoughts on Dick Kelly uh, beloved SID BC men's basketball and just that your time your thoughts on that time period uh working for that one year in media relations yeah I mean as a student um I got to know DK really well and uh, you know, I like people that encountered him, players, and anybody works them, and anybody, any student. I mean, he, he, you just um, he took time to get to know you, and you know, you can't say that about everybody. Uh, you know, you really just kind of realized he was a he was a really special guy, and um, just enjoyed. You know, kind of enjoyed talking to him, and uh, you know, anybody who who's listening that you know has, has interacted with him would know what that means. Would know what that's like. So when I graduated, you know, I think I wanted to stay with basketball, but they did not have kind of any other positions, um, you know, available at the time. But they were looking for an intern to work on the Yaki Center uh, Museum. It was kind of like going to be this big thing. And obviously, we've been there. You know, it, it is. It's really um, a cool museum on the first floor of the Yaki Center. And uh, it's they needed somebody to kind of do the research for it. And, um, you know, being, you know, being loving BC, uh, Chris Cameron and, and yeah, Dick Kelly, uh, you know, asked if I'd be interested in that. And, you know, I just wanted to know. I always wanted a job. One, you know, you're taking graduate college, but hey, I wanted to stay at BC, and uh, I did that. And it was a really cool experience. I got to work a lot with Barry Gallup too, uh, and who's, who who's obviously still at BC. Who's just uh, you know probably as, as much of a if I'm you're going to call me BC basketball, which I don't think it is. I mean, he's just BC football, and it's just. Uh, a really tremendous guy, and so you know, all those guys enjoyed working with them, and it was really great, kind of researching BC's football history uh, for a year, but still getting to be a part of basketball and go to the games and kind of help out uh, where I could. And then after that, they they created a video coordinator position, and I'd say like uh, over my 18 years, you've really seen how video has changed with college basketball scouting, and I kind of got at the right time that we went from. You know, in my freshman year, even maybe even after that, when coaches put together a, a scout tape, you know, like we play Louisville tomorrow, uh, you know, you're, play, you're playing in one VHS player and you're recording in the other VHS, and that's your scout tape. It's literally like a tape. And uh, But then it became digital kind of during my undergrad time. And, um, you know, I'm not, don't have my, I don't really have an IT background, but just being, you know, young and, you know, kind of knowing computers probably a little better than some of the some basketball coaches. I was kind of probably made myself valuable. And, uh, you know, they were able to, you know, work with the administration and get a video coordinator position created, uh, you know, in 2005, 2006. And um, so I, I kind of, after my one year in media relations, I got to, uh, you know, go back to the basketball staff uh, as video coordinator. Yeah, you know that those are some good years. Looking back on that, oh five, oh six, Sweet Sixteen run, uh, oh you know, oh seven, Georgetown round thirty two, uh, back to the NCAA's in two thousand nine. Just what, what do you take from that last period, and just your overall thoughts working with Coach Skinner? Uh, I mean, Coach Skinner was a tremendous guy. Uh, I mean, he was, he always was great to me, and you know, I mean, again, I was just this you know kid who was a manager that didn't really have much of a basketball background at all. And, um, you know, he, along with the assistant coaches, who, you know, are, are all head coaches now, you know, Bill Cohen, Tim O'Shea, um, Ed Coy, uh, and then going further on the line, guys like Preston Murphy, Mo Cacera, Bonzi Colton, 
know, probably leaving somebody out there, but I already mentioned Pat Duquette. Uh, you know, Coach Skinner and his whole staff, they, they were they were great. And, um, you know, it was just really enjoyable to be be a part of that and part of that success that, I mean, starting, you know, in 2000-2001, seven tournaments in nine years is uh, is really impressive. I remember at some point I had the data on, like, the teams that had done it during that stretch, and there might have been, like, one. It, it was maybe, like, Kansas and, like, North Carolina or somebody were, like, the only other teams that had gone to seven tournaments in nine years. And uh, it was it was awesome kind of being a part of that success. And, yeah, that 05-06 team was, was really special. That was a lot of fun to be a part of that that AC, that first year in the ACC, uh, that run in Greensboro where, um, you know, J.J. Reddick nails two 25 uh in the last minute to, to win and beat us to hold, keep you from winning the ACC tournament and then a great run in the uh, NCAA tournament that just came down to, you know, that one inbound play in Minnesota. So, oh uh, man, you know, that was a really it was a really great time to be a part of, of, of BC basketball and kind of to have that break in then was was really special. And you know, Dan, you have the unique perspective of working for Coach Skinner, Coach Donahue in the next era, and now Jim Christian. What I'm, I'm interested to ask you this, and maybe you might not even know, but what are some of the similarities that you've noticed in working with those three guys, or, or even some differences as well? Just in a couple quick sentences, not not to go too in depth. But you've had you have a unique perspective in that regard. Yeah, it's first of all, I've been so fortunate because I've worked for three amazing people, and and I'm not you know not just saying that because you know maybe they're listening, but they they were really awesome to work with, and they all loved BC basketball, and they you know they they I think they all really did a did a tremendous job, and you know they were you know it was all. They had a little bit of differences. I mean, you know, I think Coach Skinner came kind of like, you know, coming from the pros, that pro style. Um, and then obviously kind of how we, how we played, run the flex. And then Coach Donahue came in, um, you know, with his Ivy League backer. Kind of everybody comes in with their own background and um, brings that to BC. But they all, I think, realized what BC what made BC special. And, um, and you know, now Coach Christian, too, kind of getting to see the, that these guys, when they, they come in and they start to learn about BC and what a great place it is, and, uh, you know, trying to try to buy into what it is, you know, what, what BC is, and it's really they really all do it and embrace it. And it's uh, really kind of, it's, it's fun to be a part of it and, and see them. And, you know, I think everybody you wish you had more success. Every, everybody probably wishes all their coaches, you know, they had more success. But um, you know, they all did a really, I think, great job of of kind of selling BC and, and making part of the you know BC being part of the community and you know trying to get BC basketball back on track over these past couple of years. And uh, Jim Christian, I think, is doing a tremendous job, and we're seeing kind of seeing some of that pay off right now. Yeah, no question uh, so about it. Our- having a fairly pretty successful year and um, with I think twelve games to go in ACC play. Yeah, you're right. More ACC wins already now mid-January than we did last year. So a great start. And, Dan, that's a good segue to this year. I'm interested. Take us in the typical ACC mid-January week uh, for job for Dan McDermott. What's going on? What are your responsibilities? And just tell the BC basketball fans, kind of take a look at the behind the scenes. So, you know, I like to think I do. I I have my hands in probably everything but on the court uh, coaching and, and, you know, recruiting. 
uh, every all of that is kind of we got all of our assistant coaches and um, you know Coach Christian and everybody and you know I try and take care of you know all those all those other things and there's maybe a huge support staff that we have of um, you know a director of player development Evan Lindsay our, our video coordinator Chip Cunningham has been with uh, Coach Christian for um, for many years uh, before I ever met him um, you know two two great graduate assistants you know it's a pretty you know you compare to a football staff we get a pretty small staff so kind of everybody has their hands in everything and is working together but this time of year it's a lot of our our travel uh, like so we're today's Saturday morning that we're recording this. We're practicing uh, this morning, and then we head off to Louisville for uh, for a game tomorrow afternoon. And then we come back. We'll come back after the game uh, Sunday, and then kind of off for you know one day um, back in Boston, and then we head to Syracuse. So you have these back to back road trips, which are kind of busy weeks of travel. Um, but then we get a week, and we have the bye week the following week. So it's a little a little calmer then. But you know, there's always kind of always a lot going on um, behind the scenes, and he's in bond travel and then i mean you start kind of preparing for for obviously for future road trips and then and from just getting ready to for summer camp you know you can't just you know wait until i I kind of help run our summer camp and you can't start thinking about that in april so you're kind of trying to start marketing that and doing you know doing planning the summer now um and then i think we're always you know a big part of what i do is uh working with our administration coach christian and um you know future scheduling so you kind of always trying to figure out what what you're looking for in games for the following year um and i'm probably i'm probably leaving a lot out but i'm just kind of thinking about what i was doing yesterday and those are those are a lot of uh kind of a lot of things that keep me busy this time of year Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! And Dan, one of the number one questions I get from fans is, when does B- how does BC determine when they take a charter home and versus a commercial uh, flight, say after a road game? Can you help uh, break that down for us? Yeah, so we 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 mostly charter. Um, you know, almost all of our trips are charters, and that comes out of not not really you know a luxury but it's uh it's a necessity because you know we want our players to, to be in class especially when you're you're coming home uh you know we want them to be in class monday morning you know um and you know we play louisville at noon tomorrow and you know we'll be you know we'll take a charter flight home and um you know we should be back home at six or seven o'clock tomorrow night and i mean that's great they can they can go to uh learn resources that they have to or they can just study or even if it's just kind of relaxing after a couple of days you know after you know, 24 hours on the road they're ready to go you know monday morning same thing with syracuse um you know we'll fly back after the game because we'll be home you know at our beds around midnight 
uh, Wednesday night so that guys can go to class Thursday morning. So that that's the number one part of um, chartering is is to avoid guys missing class because they miss they miss a lot of it. You know the way it's funny the way the ACC schedule comes out. We play three straight Tuesdays in February. Um, usually it's spread out a little more, but you know if you if you have a Tuesday class, you know even if you have a Tuesday Thursday class, you're missing you know, half of them. Or if you have a once-a-week Tuesday class, which obviously we have some grad students, some older guys that take once-a-week classes, uh, you try and avoid, you know, that based on the schedule, but sometimes you really want to take a class, and if the teacher's willing, you're able to uh, do it. But it's it's hard for on the students academically to go in the, the first week of class for teachers to know you're missing, you're going to miss some class in, in February because of games. And, you know, that, that's kind of how it is with, with basketball and, you know, some other sports that you know don't play that play weekday games that you're gonna you're gonna miss some class so you got to do everything you can that you can control to avoid uh, missing class and then in the ACC obviously we're playing in some uh, locations that aren't that easy to get to uh, you can't get a direct flight from Boston to Louisville um, so you know if you want to unless you want to fly in somewhere else and um, you'll have a bit of a ride you know you want to put your team in the best position to win so uh, you know I think chartering really does help do that, you know, both academically and then helping, uh, you know, your on-the-court performance. <laughs> Excuse me, well said. So, and Dan, also the, the other question I get is ACC tournament, uh, NCA travel, you know, how does that work versus the school versus the ACC conference uh, in terms of, like, hotel booking and traveling? So the ACC tournament, um, fortunately for us, that's over spring break often. So, you know, we don't have to worry about missed class for that. And then we will, the the conference kind of, depending, I guess when it's been, it was in Brooklyn last year, it's in Brooklyn again this year, there's tons of hotels in, in the New York area. So you can uh, you can pretty much, you know, go wherever you want. And for us, it's a bus trip, um, you know, down. So Brooklyn actually kind of eliminates a lot of, you know, kind of crazy factors that go into it. But... If, uh, you know, when I think next year it's in Charlotte and, you know, I think the conference works with you to get every, make sure that everybody gets, um, you know, that has a, has a hotel and you don't have 10 teams staying at one hotel. Cause I mean, the guys, people want their fan bases to come and they kind of want it spread out so everybody can, can be together. Same thing when it's in Greensboro, there's obviously, there's not a ton of hotels in Greensboro, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's the ECC tournament is, is really uh, it's, it's great, and you know, look forward to going back to Brooklyn this year. Um, you know, I personally, I really liked when it was in Washington D.C. Uh, two years ago. I thought that was a really cool venue for it. Like taking nothing away from Brooklyn, but it's just uh, it's hard to it's tricky there. Even you could be staying in a hotel, you know, a mile away, not even a half mile away, and it could take you forty five minutes which always causes me a little stress. I always want to, I joke with Coach Christian, I always want to leave for the arena, you know, much earlier than, than he does because I just get so worried we're going to get in traffic. Um, but it, all, it always ends up working out. But, you know, the, these, the, it's great playing in New York and Madison Square Garden, the Barclays Center, but um, it does cause me a little extra stress worrying about, about traffic that you don't really get in Greensboro. Yeah, no question about it. That's New York for you. All right, Dan, last couple minutes here. Uh, like to, you mentioned scheduling uh, before, just like to break that down a little bit. What's BC basketball's thought process on scheduling out of conference and the whole flow of the schedule? Uh, actually, I, th- I want to compliment you. I thought playing Dartmouth 
last week in the middle ACC schedule was a pretty good move and uh, allowed for a little breather in the middle of the hectic January schedule. So just give us your thoughts on BC basketball scheduling. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love scheduling, first of all. I'm, I'm fascinated by, like, every sport and scheduling. I, I would love to be, like, the, uh, the head of scheduling for, for MLB or, or the NFL. I, I, I'm really just kind of my own personal hobby, really into that and how it'll be working with TV networks and everything. So I, I actually I – know, I know some coaches, I think, not to call myself a coach, but uh, some people despise scheduling, and um, I really – I enjoy it. Um, I think it's like this big puzzle you got to put together. Uh, and it's it's enjoyable working with Coach Chris, Coach Christian and um, you know the the our administration are, are you know they're involved and I'm kind of the one who maybe like makes the calls and tries to help help put the puzzle together. But um, yeah, this year was really interesting, and I think a lot of people probably wondered like why are we playing Duke? You know, in mid in uh, in in December, you know, when ACC games typically start. Uh, you know the. the weekends after Christmas, and it's, it's kind of a scheduling quirk now that we have 15 teams, and you're playing 18 games, that, you know, you got you have 15 teams, everybody's playing each other, you know, that's, the, when somebody gets left out, there's seven games, so everybody has to have a bye, and then there's 18, 18 kind of ACC games, I'm explaining this without a whiteboard probably isn't great, but there's 19 <laughs> kind of play dates for ACC um, and there's 15 teams, so you're kind of left with these four leftover teams that uh, need to be played um, outside of the normal schedule. And the last couple of years, they played those games, so it's four teams, two games, they played them right before, like right after Christmas, so you didn't really even notice it. There was, you know, there was a game, there were two games on Wednesday, and then everybody else started on Saturday, but the way Christmas fell this year, uh, being on a Monday, it was kind of impossible to force teams to play a game on like you know, December 27th. So they gave us the option of trying to find a date in December where we could play. And uh, for us, obviously winning the game, it makes it all seem great. But I thought it worked out really well that we were able to play the game on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, you know, when we're going to get a really good crowd. We ensured we had students there, which, you know, which we did. And it made the, um, you know, it really set you up for, you know, a really, a really good opportunity to have a really good home game and a really good home atmosphere. So I, I really you know, we, we kind of got lucky. We were forced into it um, this year, and I think we have to do it again in two years. Uh, do it again, and then the schedule. Actually, I'm jumping around here, but the schedule goes to 20 games in uh, two years. The ACC schedule. So you're actually going to see, I think, more games played in December, like what the Big Ten is this year, playing uh, a couple of games in December um, because you're you just forced to. You can't fit everything in after New Year's, but. I guess as a result of that, we played. We had two. We had two bye dates during the ACC season, and thought it was a good idea to try and um, you know get a not not be off for two different two different weeks there. So we got Dartmouth. We you know where we wanted to play, and uh, you know that Ivy League teams are usually looking for games in early January because the Ivy League schedule doesn't start until late January. So I didn't think it all worked out, and again, it was great to have a nice you know good Saturday afternoon home game to you know catch your breath and. Um, you know, just it was something a little different from ACC play. And then, but as well, in terms of, uh, do you have like a formula, like November, December, you want to try to play home games against, you know, teams, mid-majors, and then obviously post-New Year's, you're full in ACC play. Do you have a certain like quota you want to hit for amount of home games at the beginning of the year? Obviously you play a, usually a, a preseason tournament as well. 
Is there some sort of like formula in that regard? Or is it more just year by year? It, there, I guess to some degree there's a formula and then there's, you know, you have budgets for, for the guarantee games and you have, um, just explain, uh, Dan, I think a lot, a lot of people might not know what a guarantee game means in terms of, uh, I know what you mean, paying an opponent to come to BC to play. Right. So these are in most games, I think this is the case in, you know, it's football too, with two teams are going to play, you're either going to return the game, um, or you're going, you're going to have to pay them to come. Like most teams aren't just, you know, teams aren't just going to come play a road game and get nothing out of it. So like when we played, uh, when we played Dartmouth, I mean, there, there's some money exchange is exchanged for that. Uh, cause we did not go back to Dartmouth, but then, um, trying to think when we play Providence, we play at home one year and then we play at Providence the following year. So there's no, there's no money exchanged. Um, those are, those are home and homes. And then you have these, a lot of, they're growing, like crazy now these neutral site games uh where you're you know a lot of some of them are exempt tournaments every year you get to play one exempt tournament which gets you four four games and it could be any breakdown um whether it's three neutral one at home um think like the maui invitational battle for atlantis charleston classic orlando anaheim um but like the last few years we played in ones where you get two home games and then you play two neutral site games like this year, we played a Mohegan Sun. Uh, we, we played two of our initial home games were actually were technically part of that tournament, Maine and Sacred Heart. And then we played the two games, you know, Texas Tech and LaSalle and Mohegan Sun. Last year, we were at the Barclays Center. Uh, next year, I believe we're going to play in a tournament in uh, Fort Myers, Florida, um, you know, right before Thanksgiving. So we, you kind of have to schedule those a few years out just because they're, they're competitive to get in and now that there's so many teams in each conference you can only have one team from each conference in an exempt tournament and it's uh it's challenging to it gets competitive to to be that you know to be the acc team in a tournament so uh you know we we kind of try to mix it up and you 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 obviously a lot of the schedule back to your original question um it does vary it varies a little bit year to year based on what you have what you're scheduling for um you know, when you have a really young team, and you know, I think you definitely want to get some confidence early on, and you may try and get more home games. Um, you know, instead of uh, you know, I think you get as you get older and you get you know better, and you're looking for a more competitive schedule to um, you know start you know thinking about you know your tournament resume and uh, you know everybody obviously yeah, looks at the resumes you know leading up to Selection Sunday, and you know kind of one of those one of those factors is your is your RPI. For us, it's, it's you, you kind of it, it varies year to year. But when you're in the ACC, you're going to play 18 games uh, that are against the top caliber opponents in the country, no matter what. So uh, you know you, you want to have a good competitive non-conference schedule, but it's not like you're. I think some some big major teams that really have to go out there and, and really bolster their non-conference schedule uh, to make up for conference play, but. Uh, it's 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 really it's it's interesting kind of how it all how it all has to come together and um, like I said I I really I really enjoy it and um, I, I think our schedule this year was kind of really good and obviously we went ten and three non conference and I think that put us in a really good position to to go into ACC play. Yeah, no question about it. Very interesting. I don't and I don't know if the average fan realizes how much that goes into that scheduling. So thanks a lot, Dan, for explaining that to us. And last couple of minutes before we go, uh, just talk about alumni relations, that part of the job. Dan, 
like you said, you've been a part of three coaches already, administration, and reach out to alumni, basketball alumni, and, and future events that are coming up uh, down the chute with BC Basketball and alumni relations. It's, uh, I, I love talking to our, our former players. And, you know, you obviously we've had with coaching turnover, even athletic director turnover, even as you mentioned, like Dick Kelly, somebody who's had a great relationship with players. There aren't, you know, if you go back to the, the Coach Skinner time, there's not a lot of people at BC that kind of the former players, um, you know, remember that were here during their time. And, you know, I enjoy you know, being, being someone that still remembers, uh, you know, those guys and can communicate with them and, you know, keep them up to date on things and, you know, really, you know, welcome them back. And we've, we've actually, it's funny, this fall we had a ton of guys back. Uh, Troy Bell was inducted into the Varsity Club Hall of Fame. Uh, Craig Smith came to that ceremony. Lewis Hennett uh, came to that ceremony. They came to the football game the next day. Jared Dudley was on campus at one of the football. I think he went to the Notre Dame football game. Uh, so we, we had a bunch of guys here in the fall. And then at the Duke game, you know, like guys like John Oates, who I know you had on the podcast, Joe Trapani, Tyler Roach, um, you know, we're all up here for the Duke game. So we, we've had a lot of, you know, former players from that Skinner era uh, where it has been back this fall. And it's really great to see them and, to, um, you know, have around them and kind of show them what, what we've done. I mean, if you kind of walk around the, you know, our, our the gym and the office, the, the locker room, you know, everywhere we, you know, the, we have these huge graphics and showing them kind of all of our prominent players. And, you know, it's, that's a big part of recruiting is these guys um, who played here, you know, were, treme- you know, were tremendous players. You know, all of them, almost all of them went on to great pro careers, whether it was in the NBA or Europe. And, um, you know, they're really kind of really impressive part of it that kind of paved the way for, for what we have, what we have now. And, uh, it's great to, to see them and honor them and have them know that, and I think coach Christian is a really, you know, has a good relationship with, with all of them that, um, you know, telling them they're part of the program. When, when Jared and Troy and those guys came back, they talked to the team and, uh, especially Troy, I think, you know, he, he talked to the team and his freshman year, they were not very good. It was like that. That's, um, that his sophomore year was when that kind of all started, the success in the 27 and 5 year. And kind of he was, you know, telling these guys, you just got to, you got to get through it. You got to bring, you know, um, just, you know, pause, um, kind of explaining how it's like it gets better and then you got to work through it and you got to work hard. It's not just going to come. And uh, it, it kind of clicked between their freshman and sophomore year for him. And then he obviously you know, went on and they had a lot of success and just telling these guys that, you know, it, it, all you need to do is work hard and, it can click and really come together, and I think he, he had a really good message for them. And, and Jared's the same way. I mean, he's been in the NBA for ten years now, so he kind of brings that experience of you know he's seen it all and at the at the next level that all these guys aspire to to play, and just how hard it is to, to play in the NBA for ten years and how hard you have to work. So I, I think the former players and you know, these guys seeing their pictures on the wall and then having come into the locker room and talk to them. It's a really, uh, it's a really great experience, and I'm, you know, grateful that you know when they come back to campus, they they want to talk to our team. Well, Dan, that's well said, and you're you're right. From having the players talking to them on the podcast in uh, the past year, you can sense they all have a lot, still have a lot of pride for BC basketball. There's no question about it. Yeah, they they do, and uh, you mentioned we got uh, an event coming up. We try to have a, an alumni day every year. We invite you know all alumni to, to come back, and it, this year it's the Notre Dame game, which is uh, I think Saturday, I want to say February seventeenth. Um, so you know it's a really should be a really good game, and hopefully we can get get some former players back, and 
if any former players happen to be listening to the podcast, you know, one thing we, we kind of set up a we, we lack contact information on a lot of people. And um, I know we don't ever want to exclude anybody that is, you know, that, that played here. And we kind of encourage everybody to reach out to us. If, if you played here and you, maybe you haven't heard from, heard from us, we're, we're not, we're not neglecting you. We just don't have, uh, we don't have the contact information. You know, sometimes, you know, businesses, emails change and, um, you know, moving. So we, we tried to do that and we tried to, you know, on, you know, reach out on social media, Facebook and, connect with guys that way um, so we can kind of find a way to give information and let people know uh, that they're that we really want people to come back um, to any game but especially the third game um, you know coming up in February to kind of have the ROM night day well there you go Dan McDermott went a little long but a lot of good information director of basketball operations BC basketball playing Louisville tomorrow and uh, hopefully a big stretch here February and deep into March We'll be talking about BC basketball. Congrats on the great start so far, Dan, and keep up the rest of the way. And thank you for your time here at the podcast. A lot of good information behind the scenes with uh, BC basketball. Thanks for having me on, Mike. I really appreciate it. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. At Stone Love and Pizza, their mission is simple, to offer the most creative selection of hand-tossed, all-natural pizza in the Neapolitan tradition. Their pizzas are cooked in a stone-fired brick oven directly on the stone to lock in the flavor. Stone Love and Pizza uses all-natural products. In other words, their dough, sauce, and cheese contain no additives, preservatives, or weird chemicals of any kind. Come visit one of Stone Lovin's three locations, including the newest location at 1649 Beacon Street in Newton. Go Eagles! Well, thanks so much for Dan McDermott uh, for joining us here on the Lights, Camera, Sports Podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'd like to remind everybody, if you want to advertise on the podcast, just email Lights, Camera, Sports, Ads, ADS, at gmail.com. Also, like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com for more details and to sign up. All right, we'll see you again next week. This is Mike Galtieri signing off.